Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of Divine Downloads. I'm your host, Elizabeth Overton. And every time I come on here, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm ecstatic. And today is no different because today's conversation is something that I'm very passionate about. I mean, I don't often talk about things I'm not passionate about. However, this is going to be a super juicy topic because what I want, the purpose of this podcast is to show nurses and also other humans what is possible when you say yes to the universe and when you apply yourself. So today I'm ecstatic to have registered nurse Beth Boynton on the show. She is the amazing genius behind the award-winning blog, Confident Voices in Healthcare. She also happens to be a certified applied improvisation practitioner and there are only 65 in this country and she happens to be the only registered nurse that has this certification so that's a pretty big deal she also specializes in soft skill development and healthcare and other businesses she's an international speaker and the author of several books on communication and medical improv. So without further ado, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, Miss Beth Boynton. Hi, Lizbeth. It's so wonderful to talk with you and have our conversation shared out in the universe. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I didn't know this about myself, but I have, uh, I've been a nurse for 20, 21 years and I realized Maybe it's uh, in the last eight years as a uh, disease management uh, coach, nurse over the phone, I have come to really appreciate the power of words and the power of communication. So I cannot wait to talk to you about this topic because in terms of healthcare, right? The number one time we have human error is when we have a transition of care. So could you please tell us, tell the listeners, uh, I know you've been in the game for a while. I would love for you to share sort of how you started and where you are now, all the juiciness. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, and I don't want to like go on and on because I am in my 60s. So if I go way back, it will take forever. So I'm going to give you like kind of a condensed version. Um, you know, I got... <laughs> divorced about 20 years ago, um, 23 maybe, long, long ago. And I had been a nurse for about, oh, 10 years at that point. My son was about five years old. And so that was like this really painful time in my life because all of a sudden, it wasn't by my choice. Um, However, what it did do was get me into counseling and it got me to start like digging deep. And I actually don't mind that work. It's hard work, um, definitely some tears in the process, but I felt like I could really figure out what my own behavior patterns were and how I used my voice um, or how I gave up my voice like in that relationship. So that's part of the story. The, so you know, I started to learn about how to become more assertive in my life. And um, my son, uh, who was just thriving in theater, he was kind of a shy kid, but boy, put him in with his theater friends. And he was very vibrant, just as vibrant as he was at home in my living room. So when he was um, in middle school, I'm going to say, and I might screw up my timeline here because I'm just 
it's a little bit of a blur at this point. But anyway, we took this uh, adult ed improv class and I was like, oh my God, the things that I'm learning in therapy, I could practice in improv. I could practice self-awareness and taking um, risk for speaking up and some stuff that was really key to my own personal growth. And also at some point around that time, I, um, was, I was working in home health and I was trying to practice my assertiveness skills like, no, I can't work overtime or I really can't take another patient right now, you know, speaking up for myself. And it was like, well, there's the door. If you don't want to do that, you know, you can't work here. Or my colleagues would say, well, I worked, I worked overtime when my child was young, that kind of stuff. And so Back around the turn of the century, I decided to go to graduate school and get out of healthcare. And I got into a graduate program at Antioch in organization management. And so, meanwhile, I was also, I went on to take more improv classes by myself. My son stayed in his own theater community. Um, and I just kept learning and playing and um, developing skills. And so what I did in graduate school, I was studying group dynamics and organizational behavior and culture and emotional intelligence and coaching and all that kind of stuff. And I built a model that used theater games to teach emotional intelligence to kids, thinking that that was going to be my next career. So I got out of graduate school, did that for, for a little while. And then I got invited to teach a course uh, in healthcare administration. It was on contemporary issues. And the book was Crossing the Quality Chasm or Chasm, that Institute of Medicine book that is so well known now for uh, highlighting the number of errors that we make because of communication. So I said yes to that. And I had an amazing experience. It was a small group of eight people they a couple were nurses and the rest were you know healthcare administration people there was a physical therapist anyway it was this group of people that were so committed to positive change that i got really jazzed and i also discovered that everything i was doing with the kids made sense to be doing in healthcare so then i started developing my consulting business focused on communication um you know giving and receiving constructive feedback i would do workshops like that um, or the complexity of assertiveness. I remember that was one of my early ones. And because um, people don't realize assertiveness is way more complicated than we give it credit for. Anyway, I, um, what happened next? So I, I gradually more and more integrated some of the activities from improv into my classes and workshops. And I could see that, you know, I can talk about listening to the cows come home and show a PowerPoint and give a handout. But what's really effective, Lisbeth, if, is if I can give people, nurses and others, an experience where they feel heard, really truly heard, and give them practice opportunities for attentive listening, that's what works. And improv is just a beautiful tool for doing that. So I just started doing more and more of that. Um, I around 2011 or 12 i um sent a proposal for it was a new york forum on for on uh, public health and i uh, submitted a topic of using improv to to improve communication and collaboration and i got accepted and i ended up doing a workshop 
um, it was a pilot project. And one of the things I did was uh, an activity called Overload. And that cemented my commitment to using improv because in that activity, and if you Google, if um, listeners Google interruption awareness, they can see a subsequent video of that activity. And what it, what, what it does is it shows how um, interruptions while we're tr- make it impossible to think. And so um, it was a great way to highlight this idea that if people keep interrupting us, our irritation and stress level goes up really quickly, like in 30 seconds, and we can't think. So in this activity, I have, uh, and in the video, you see somebody ask a nurse, you know, what's your favorite color? And she's so stressed out that she's like struggling to answer blue. And so it was a great um, doorway into having conversations about awareness, self-awareness about stress, um, empathy for our colleagues, because, you know, we're all going to reach that point a little bit at, a, at, at slightly different times, but rather than judge each other for not being the same as we are, we can have empathy for each other. And we can also have conversations about um, setting limits and how do we do that in a respectful communication way. So, Anyway, um, then I got a chance to go to Northwestern University where there was a woman named Katie Watson and she was working with a physician named Belinda Fu. And they were, Katie had been teaching medical students uh, uh, a leadership course using improv techniques. And so Belinda, who was also an improviser out in Seattle, called her and said, hey, let's do a trainer training session. So, um, and I got wind of it, sent them the video from about interruption awareness and was invited to come and teach that activity there. So I went to the first train the trainer where that term medical improv um, was coined by Katie Watson. Um, And so I've just been like obsessed. (laughs) All I do is like, because it's like, we have all these fires in healthcare in nurse, whether it's like bullying and nursing, um, morale, retention, stress, staffing, even staffing. I believe that um, having healthy communication skills can help us with staffing. So I just, um, it's like all these fires and I keep saying, hey, hey, this, uh, this tool, medical improv is like water for anything that involves relationship and communication. So thank you for listening to all of that. Okay, this is, I, this is just so good. Again, I just want to show nurses and also other humans like whoever would have thought something like uh, marrying theater, uh, improv, communication, um, this thing about interruption awareness. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. I'm sure the nurses that are listening are like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. What, what blows my mind is um, that, and, and this, is, this was my experience, so I'm just speaking from that, is that w- communication is the number one breakdown for all things, especially when it comes to medication error. So isn't it interesting that this isn't taught in med school, this isn't taught in nursing school. However, it's, it's so imperative to, like you're saying, so many different layers. Like if a nurse feels like he or she cannot communicate um, the needs of the patient uh, with ease or without feeling threatened, the patient is always the one who suffers. I mean, the nurse does too. However, it's a major problem. It's a huge problem, yeah. And you know, it's like 
we've known um, since the turn of the century. So it's like now we're closing in on 20 years of trying to impact the problem of communication. And, you know, we've seen little, oh, it's a little better over here or a little worse over here. But overall, the evidence is that we're not getting at the underlying problem. And I believe that that improv experiential activities from improv can help us do it. I absolutely agree because I feel like, let's be honest, in so many organizations, there's a whole lot of lip service Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that happens. And so what I absolutely love about this is because it, um, again, it's speaking to the, a lot, very similar to healthcare, which sometimes I call sick care, is that mm-hmm. we're not, we're not actually mm-hmm. addressing uh, the root, we're addressing the symptom. And so just like with improv, if we can address uh, the root, this, this inability um, to communicate in a way that's safe um, on a team. I mean, yeah. I, can, I can remember working uh, like in the OR type setting, we did the pause for the cause. It was like, okay, before the lidocaine is given, before you make the first incision, everybody on the team has to stop. You pause for the cause, you, mm-hmm. you read the patient's name, the procedure, which side, um, you know, all the things. Yeah. And, that, and that was really, to me, it was very, um, I, I appreciated it because, you know, I want to make sure that everybody on the team is on the same page. And I kind of, um, so everybody in my family is in healthcare and also I have people that are in my family are also in the, into um, uh, flying. And I love this analogy of, you know, in the cockpit, you have a checklist Mm-hmm. And it's all about uh, a just culture, safety culture. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel like, um, what would you say to this idea, Beth, or this notion, having been teaching this for a while, it feels like the people that are doing the work, meaning the nurses, mm-hmm. you know, they don't feel her. They don't have a seat at the table. Um, yeah. How can how open are organizations to you coming in as a nurse and for their nursing staff to, to teach this? Um, It varies. I do not push it anymore. I used to, like I say, I used to like be obsessed. Um, I don't, you know, like if you could see my face, I'd be like, can't you see this is going to help you. Um, Yeah. I don't sing that song anymore, but I'll go wherever there's openness to it. Um, I just did a, pretty significant cultural sensitivity workshop at Dartmouth-Hitchcock, and they were very open to me weaving in experiential activities from improv. So, you know, some places are open. Um, I was going to say something else about that, too, but now I can't think of it, so maybe it'll pop up. Um, That's okay. Okay, so so that comment makes me think of this, and that is, um, so... I love that you said this so much because I'm an action taker. And mm-hmm. if I, if I witness an issue, if I see something within myself that I want to be different, I am like the first to be like, okay, here are 10 things I'm going to do, 10 action steps I'm going to take mm-hmm. so that I can, so that I can make this better, make this more efficient. And, um, and I have a tendency to be a little bit on the masculine side, meaning sometimes I force things Okay. Yep. Uh, um, whereas now that I have a lot more wisdom and a lot more <laughs> life experience, uh, yeah. forcing never works. Like forcing, 
forcing never worked. No, it doesn't. So I appreciate that you're obsessed with this because I understand (laughs) I am too. Like I just, you know, again, you see something, you witness something, you witness a transformation and you want to share it with the world. Like, hello. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, I just remembered and it sort of flows in with what we're talking about, Elizabeth, um, with the idea that um, nurses not feeling heard. And I forget what your exact question was, but um, I want to share like one of my big pet peeves that speaks to that, because I think that it sort of highlights the, the lip service without saying that in terms of blaming, because I think it's a complex problem involving um, leaders and the culture and the hierarchy and even nurses ourselves um, for the issue. But here's an example of what I mean in healthcare. Um, sure, most of you are familiar with Team Steps. Um, it's the Agency for Healthcare Quality and Research. And so they have a series of tools that are, there are communication tools. And many of them, you know, I would stand behind 100%. But there is one tool that's called the um, two challenge rule. I don't, have you heard of that by any chance? I um, have not. Okay. Well, it's, it's basically what it says is that, um, if a clinician speaks up about a concern and they're, they are ignored, then they need to speak up again. And it's kind of like second nature for nurses. That's what we're taught in nursing school. But when I, when I look at that rule, I say, okay, if you have a healthy culture, then that rule is fine because sure, sometimes you're going to speak up and some people aren't going to hear you or they might be focused on something else or they might be um, in the middle of something else or just have a headache or, or whatever. So sometimes not everybody is going to be heard every time. But what I say is that if that we need a third rule, a third step for that rule, and that is that if somebody is ignored after the situation, whatever the concern is, is addressed, then let's go back and find out why. You know, if that person was ignored because they were, uh, because the person they were speaking up to was in the middle of something, okay, that's understandable. Let's look at that situation or just move on. But if there is a pattern of ignoring people in, uh, in a, on a particular team or with a particular uh, clinician or organization, then that is a really a, a serious issue. And because ignoring is or can be a form of um, verbal abuse, you know, it's an emotional abuse and it is contrary to the psychological safety that we need in order for nurses to speak up. So I've written about this like several times. I've written to Team Steps and they just basically ignore me. Um, and so I just think if you don't if you if you have a toxic culture that rule is just perpetuates the toxicity and to me that's like an example of where the hierarchy in healthcare is not really paying attention in a way that um, is willing to share power with nurses and effectively and respectfully oh i love your suggestion about the third part because again in a quote just culture that means everybody's working together for the better of the whole, right? And if somebody identifies a situation for sure that has to do with safety, which normally that's what it is, and and nurses are not heard or whomever it is on the team, yeah, that that is a 
a major problem and I would run as far away the other direction if I was involved in something like that. So mm -hmm. I know so many nurses that are listening are like, yep, yep. Yeah. I identify with this. I, so, um, having been working in this for a while, what would your, your, like, it's like the dear Anne column, the dear Beth column. <laughs> what, okay. What, what, what would you suggest? Or, um, do you have any tips or pointers for nurses who I know are feeling this and, um, what they might be able to do, take action, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of that particular policy, or if they if they are like speaking up and they're totally being ignored over and over and over again, uh, I would uh, take it to human resources, perhaps um, to any. I mean, you have to feel safe and comfortable to do it, so that's totally a judgment call. Um, but here's my point: the more of us that speak up and say. Hey, this I'm getting I'm getting ignored. There's a pattern of feeling ignored. Why would you you want me to speak up, but you're giving me a mixed message? So take it up to the take it up to leaders that you think have uh, a willingness to um, listen and affect change. If you don't feel that they do, um, then it becomes a matter of making sure that you're taking care of your own licensure and continuing to speak up um, despite the fact that you're. Um, being ignored, but keep in mind that 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 being ignored is a red flag about how you're being treated. It's a red flag about what the culture is, and so maybe that's like, hmm, maybe um, this isn't the best place for me to 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 be working. I think that's very sage advice. Thank you so much for that. Um, I well, hope that serves at least one nurse that's listening, and maybe yeah. more than that. Um, <laughs> What were you going to say? Well, I just think it's like as, as more and more of us become assertive and respectful of each other, too, so that if we can get rid of the bullying and be assertive, we'll have a more effective collective voice. You know, if, I, if I'm one person and I write to Team Steps, they're going to be like, eh, she, there she is again. She's a big PIA and blah, blah, blah. But if a bunch of nurses or even maybe some other healthcare professionals and consumers start writing to Team Steps, they probably won't be able to ignore it. Okay, I love that. But can we just, this is a tweetable, PIA. Like, I had to sit there and figure <laughs> out, can you tell our listeners what that stands for? Can I? <laughs> yes. Yes. A pain in the ass. Yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't normally cuss, and I think that's totally per perfect for this conversation. So that is hilarious. I've never heard that, and I think that's pretty funny. Okay. Oh, I know. I should add it to my credentials. <laughs> Qualified hashtag PIA. Uh, no. <laughs> All right. So, but you know, patients are going to be glad for the nurses right. that speak up like that, right? I totally feel like. This is my, now this has taken me, I'm 47. This has taken me many, many decades to come to embody and understand. And this is this, okay. the, sque the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. If you do not ask, the answer is always no. Yeah. And you might as well ask for the moon because you might just get it. Right. Like I agree with you. <laughs> What? I totally agree with you. Ask for what you need and what you want. Um, and, you know, you'll either get it or you'll find out some information about who you're talking to. <laughs> right? Absolutely. And, you know, 
we also have to be willing to say, well, if your manager or CNO or whoever says, well, we don't, can't really give you the moon. Um, like I'll give a staffing example. Like um, if I say I'm like really overwhelmed almost every shift I work here. Can we have, can we get some more staff in here? Like three more nurses and my manager, if he or she is a good communicator could say, well, I hear you're really overwhelmed and you'd like to have three nurses. Let's look at the budget and have a brainstorming conversation about, you know, maybe we can get some additional nurses. Maybe we can get a nurse assistant half the time or have like a, a brainstorming dialogue that leads somewhere rather than a power struggle where I want the moon and the leadership says, well, you can't have the moon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. I think, uh, again, to no fault of the culture of nursing, we are certainly educated uh, in a certain way, and we are not really taught to be assertive. We are not taught really to be, I think by, by nature, we are, um, we have ingenuity. We're resourceful. We are outside the mm. box, creative thinkers. We're innovators. Yeah. And for some reason, it feels like there's a disconnect and we feel very, uh, what's the word? It feels like when we come to the table with an issue, sometimes we come with more complaining than the solutions. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think what you're saying is so on point. It's like, this is what I learned uh, in corporate nursing is that if you identify something cool, come to us, come to the table. And what are some, what are three ways we could mitigate this? What are three ways we could Mm -hmm. uh, how could we right. make this better? And I think that's one of the sort of disconnects or things that's missing, yeah, which causes frustration. They just nurses just want to throw their hands up. So I think that's really powerful stuff there. Yeah, I agree with you. And then again, that goes back to you know if we can be respectful communicators with each other, um, we'll have a lot more power for um, impacting change and listening and you know being creative, co-creative. Oh, yes. One of my favorite things. Speaking of creativity. So yes. <laughs> this, uh, this, this podcast is called Divine Downloads. And I got the idea uh, to create an Oracle deck called Divine Downloads. And yes. A really fun Oracle tool for people that may be first time listeners. I got this idea legit when I was being um, in nature, submersing myself in, at my favorite lake, Lake here at Minneapolis. And oh, man. Legit, I got the download. Hey, it would be a good idea if you would write this Oracle deck. And they said it should be called Divine Downloads. And by they, I mean like my my spiritual team. I have guides, I have angels, yeah. I have cool. intuition. Everybody that's listening has it too. It's just um, sometimes our connection is, is closer than others. And then they were like, oh, you know, it might be a good idea if you also had a podcast of the same name. So I love to ask people on the show, Beth, Yes. Um, to me, a divine download is like the, it's not like, it is um, information, wisdom. It could be a circumstance, a situation where mm -hmm. in, the, in this moment of time, you're, you're aligned in such a way that you're open to receive the information that your soul needs you to know. And totally. after, after you receive it, you're a changed human. Like you don't, you don't put your pants on the same way. You don't drive <laughs> the same way. So yeah. I would love to know, I'm sure you've had many in your lifetime. Is there one that like bubbles up for you that you'd like to share with our listeners? Like an enriching experience? It could be whatever, something that 
it's changed you in some way. And, and uh, as you would say, like uh, for the betterment, maybe it was your, I mean, you talked about your, your divorce and how you started to mm -hmm. go to therapy and how you, I mean, that's, that's uh, huge. So yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> Oh, I had so many like um, experiences in therapy. I had this wonderful therapist who, um, she was very skilled. And I remember she, the, like the first day she said like, well, we have to figure out how you got here. Cause I was like sobbing. I mean, I'm laughing now, but <laughs> I wasn't then. But so she asked me if I ever kept a journal and I said, um, well, no, but I like to write. And she said, why don't you start keeping a journal? And so I started writing and then I would bring in to the next visit what I had written. And she, um, part of my spiritual team, man, I'll tell you, um, would take it and I, and, um, the next time I went in, she'd give it back to me with a couple of check marks that would be like places to explore. And we got into this rhythm, um, where I, I would do that. And I was like, I had like 2000 pages of, you know, some of it was just babble, but I am funny. So I think maybe she enjoyed it sometimes too, but boy, I learned a lot. And there was some time, I can't remember the exact, well, here's one thing. Um, I remember like the night before my ex and I were going to tell our son and I was just devastated. I was just, so I was journaling about that and I was like journaling to her and I said, um, I can feel you with me over my right shoulder, which is sort of like you're talking about your spiritual team. And so, um, a few weeks later after I had given her my stuff and been in her office and got that um, journal back and she had written next to it, I am. And um, boy, that was a powerful moment for me. I still can feel it now 20 years later um, because there was a while for months, maybe even a couple of years where um, if I needed to get strength, I could envision her uh, with me. So I still, I, I, I sent her a card between Mother's Day and Father's Day. I made up the um, holiday called Therapist Day, and I just write to her and thank her for all the gifts that she gave me with our work together. Oh, wow. So just, so, so I make sure I understand. So your therapist, she's no longer with us? She's with us, but I don't see her anymore in terms of therapy. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Okay, so is do you think um, all that writing that you did when you're in therapy is what gave, is, is really what like paved the way for your award-winning Confident Voices <laughs> in Healthcare? Yeah. Well, it definitely was a, a strong puzzle piece. Um, and then to be able to practice it in a fun way in my improv classes. Um, like, can I give you an example from that world? Of course. Um, I was, and this is now, I'm say a couple years into taking improv classes. And my improv teacher was a Buddhist kind of guy. He used to teach English. Um, David was his name. And so we played this activity. It's called One Minute Death. And I don't usually do this in, <clears throat> in the workshops that I teach because you have to have a little bit more experience. But maybe in a few years when I'm doing level two improv with nurses. But anyway, this activity, two people get up and they have 60 seconds to create a scene where one of them dies. And so my teacher and I, he, we got up and he immediately 
um, keeled over and pretended he was dead. And so I'm like, I go over to him and I pretend I'm doing CPR and I'm screaming and shouting and call 911 and I'm just like having this hysteria. So, and I, it was like the longest 60 seconds <laughs> because I couldn't think of anything else to do. And so afterwards, actually we had coffee a while later, but he was said, you know, you had, you could have done anything with that 60 seconds and you just stayed in, in this <laughs> hysteria. And that's when it was like a light bulb that went off. I was like, oh my gosh, I was like almost paralyzed in this reactionary place. I couldn't creatively think like I could have pretended to um, pick out my cell phone and say, hey, he's gone, he's dead, come meet me at the pier or, you know, hey, I, I, now I can go off and start a chocolate factory in France. My dream will come true or, you know, pretend to turn the boat so that I would go far onto one side. And because of an improv, he'd still have to pretend to respond. He'd have to roll over it on one side, you know, things like that, that were more creative, but I just was, and that's that place for me, Elizabeth, that, that um, it's almost like a, a fight flight or freeze place where I, it's hard for me. It's not as hard now because I've been working on it for so long, but that place where rather than have an idea or express a concern, um, that it's just hard for me. And so improv has been extremely helpful in practicing that. And there are many other simpler activities, but that was a light bulb moment. <laughs> he was like, oh, well, you could have done so many things. I was like, what? Okay, so this is so cool. I'm a very creative person. And when, I, when I'm listening and I'm talking to people, I, words often come into my consciousness and the word courage just keeps coming up over and over and over. And, it, and it, isn't it fascinating, right? When he said, yeah. you, you could have been doing so many other things. This is what yes. you did. Yeah. When, when we, I feel like so many, this is my, just my experience is that when we start number one adulting mm -hmm. and if we have trauma yeah and if you're a human you have some form of trauma no matter mm -hmm. how small or how big most mm -hmm. humans have some form of trauma yeah. and to me it's like when we have those two things it shuts off our connection to our higher self our creative yeah. voice our inner our intuition Yep. And that's why I feel like things like improv and, um, and humor and yeah. writing is like, we need so much of this because Absolutely. there's so much chaos. Yes. Yes. Oh, you, so good. I, there's a f nurse friend of mine, um, Joyce Morissette. She, um, she wrote a book and I can't think of the name of it. Sorry. But, um, Joyce just took a job recently in Maine that has to do with the adverse childhood event. Um, are you familiar with the ACEs work? It's like this big survey that determined that um, they study. I, I'm not an expert on this study, but if you if people are familiar, interested. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us. Well, it, it's like this big study that talks about um, the effects of childhood trauma. And the more incidents you have, even if they're mild emotional rejection or whatever, that the, they end up having big um, outcomes as adults. And it turns out that the rate of nurses that have a higher score, high, higher ACEs score is higher than the general population. So and I'm not an expert on that. I just heard about that a, a couple of months ago. So 
I can probably email her and get a little more information if you would want that. But um, yeah, that would be perfect. We could put it in the show notes. I well, to me okay. that totally makes sense because I think um, as nurses, I consider myself and nurses in general to be healers. We're helpers. We want to help people, and typically. If you're a helper, a healer, you are more sensitive, you might be more empathic. And so it's so easy to, um, to have experiences that are way more extreme and overwhelming than, the, than say somebody who's not intuitive or who's not right. compassionate, empathic. It's just like, it can be overwhelming, especially if you don't have the tools. Yeah. Right. And then you add a culture that's toxic and you have the high stakes, high stress work. It's like, oh my God, no wonder, <laughs> you know? Yes, 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 yes. I, I, I definitely, um, that has been my experience too. And I feel like there has never been a better time for, for nurses to uh, wake up and to embody this ability to to be grounded in your truth, um, in your physical body, and to really start to to look at well, like what what am I really doing, and do my what do my choices have to do with how I'm being in the world, and is this really healthy for me? Yes, Elizabeth. I keep saying Elizabeth, and okay. Elizabeth. Sorry, um, it's almost natural because my name is Elizabeth. Anyway, Elizabeth, can you like go back and talk about your Oracle deck a little bit? Because I think like you, you have a, the same mission to help nurses be healthy and take care of themselves, um, right? Absolutely. So based on my own experience, I, um, th this is sort of multi-layered, but there are a couple things um, that I feel like nurses aren't taught and that I certainly didn't know about, and that's really about energy um, and energy basically is everything like E equals MC squared and everything from the broccoli that you eat, the hamburger that you eat, the thoughts that you think subconscious yeah. and, um, conscious thoughts, um, old beliefs that you have like tied to trauma, tied to conditioning things that people have told you. So we have all, I, I love visuals. So we have all picked up all these backpacks, uh, of things that people have told us about us that that aren't even our own beliefs and, but we carry them anyway. Um, it could be, you know, you're too sensitive, you're too loud, right. you're too much, you're too, you're too toxic, you're too yeah. lazy. Um, oh, yeah. And so um, I feel like, so anyway, I had this belief, I had this idea, this thought that I didn't, this is legit. The phrase, everybody has one, a phrase that you say to yourself that just perpetuates. And mine was, I don't have a creative bone in my body what? So, <laughs> so, so what happened was, um, I have been attracted so strongly to this lake that's three miles from my house in Minneapolis. And every single time I go there, it's like, it's the first time Beth. it's, wow. it's, it's hard to describe. And this is why I just figured this out last fall is that my, um, first of all, I found out recently that it's a vortex, which means <gasps> it's, it's a, it's an energetic place where you might be more prone to receive information or wisdom or the energy is incredible. People talk about the vortices in Sedona, Arizona. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh, I didn't think anything. I just went there to, to go run. I was a runner. And then 
when I was at the lake in November, I had been doing so much work. I've been on the spiritual awakening path for the last eight years. And when I was at the lake, I was like, oh my God, I'm getting information from the trees. Wow. What? <laughs> so that's really that sounds amazing yeah so I was like wait a minute okay cool I'm just I'm just gonna go with it so so but it was like I think the information like hey you should write this oracle deck and I was like the first thing I did was the human tendency I got bothered with the how like well oracle decks typically have 52 cards do I divide this into the elements do i divide this into the days of the week do i like what do i do and they were like no girl just get back to the lake so i go back to the lake <laughs> and they're like just just come up with one word and then i came up with uh let's see i think i came up with 25 words okay and um and then i was like okay well what do i do now and they were like well just talk about how this word has helped heal you Wow. And, yeah. And then, and then you could share an affirmation, which is an I am statement. Okay. And the reason affirmations are powerful because your subconscious mind, who is the driver of your bus, uh, does not know the difference between fantasy and reality. For example, the subconscious mind also, speaking of language and communication, the subconscious mind does not speak the same language as our conscious mind. It does not do words like I don't, I can't, I shouldn't, I won't. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you say, let's say you have a limiting belief that you'll never be fit or skinny, mm -hmm. right? Like I'll always be heavy or whatever. Yep. You could affirm. I am healthy in the moment that I decide I am strong and fully capable and I'm so grateful. You, I can even feel it just by you saying right? seriously. It, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, and, and words have energy. Uh, in fact, uh, there have been so many studies just based on sound alone where um, I think it was a Japanese artist who played music and the water molecules that yep. formed based on the music for um this beautiful music were beautiful. You could think of like yeah. snowflakes and then words that were like super derogatory and negative, the actual <laughs> physical design those. Yeah. Right? Yeah. was like, uh, so everything has energy and nurses specifically have so much negative self-talk. Um, and, and thought, thought precedes form, meaning thought, uh, your thought is what co-creates your reality because your thought is a frequency going to the universe saying, okay, if I have a thought, um, I'm afraid I'm going to be fired, mm -hmm. whatever your, again, your thought is an energetic mm -hmm. frequency. It goes out to the universe and then it attracts a like frequency. So guess yep. what? <laughs> you, you create <laughs> right. being fired. Like yeah. <laughs> either that or a constant fear of it. Yes. 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 So people get so tripped up on focusing on what sucks what's not going well and what they always get, which is victim, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, oh, blah. Yeah, totally. So if you affirm the exact opposite of your fear or your limiting belief, you will completely yeah. change the trajectory of your life forever. Totally. I believe that for sure. And yeah. you know, I have to say, I want to say two things. Number one, I will trade you a copy of my medical improv book for a, co for a pack of your Oracle deck cards a done deal awesome <laughs> and number two 
listen in our conversation this it's like i was talking about my therapist thing about i when she said when i said i feel like you're with me over my shoulder and she wrote back days later i am and all that you're just saying about i am and there is one of the most fundamental improv activities is called i am and it's just a simple writing activity that you say, I am blank, and you have three, and in a group, so it's I am blank, I am blank, I am blank. I give that out to a group of nurses and say, just say anything you want about yourself, knowing that you're gonna share it. And then for a few minutes, it's like everybody's quiet, like what is she doing? And then, um, so they write it down, and then they start, then they start sharing them, and pretty soon they're starting to feel the sense of connection, at which brings joy, I believe. And so then the conversation just gets louder and louder and louder, and I have to actually work to to reel reel them back in. But I love that exercise because it's it it, it gives people it gives nurses a chance to focus on themselves for a few minutes and then on each other. And, you know, it's great to be patient advocates. I know that's our job and that's really important. But if we don't acknowledge ourselves and each other too, then we, I think that's partly why we have so many challenges. And so, yeah. So think of all the I am's we're having in this conversation. Right? It's, yeah. I mean, be still and know that I am. Like, it's yeah. so powerful. So yeah. I... I love this conversation and I could just, I could talk about this for hours and I want people to know how can they get into your vortex to, to learn about this? I mean, some of these people have never even heard of medical improv before. So how can people get into your vortex, Beth? Um, if you just go like to bethboynton.com, that's where I have my Boynton Improv Education. And then you'll see two blogs, the Confident Voices, one that you mentioned, and then the Portsmouth Improv Learning Lab. So they're a little bit different, but you can poke around either one. Um, you can write to me, email beth at bethboynton.com. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of links after because I think we mentioned, I mentioned that interruption awareness video um, to put throw that in the show notes um, and Joyce's information and the ACEs information. So yeah, I'm all, I'm as responsive as I humanly can be. And I would love to hear from people with questions. Um, yeah. Perfect. Well, uh, this has been such a rich conversation and I want to thank you, Beth, for literally paving the trail, paving the way for what's possible. I, I totally believe that as a nurse, as a, as a human, that uh, the world is literally our oyster. Yeah. And that anything is possible. Yeah. You, you just have to decide that you want it to be differently. And then again, affirm that you are going to do amazing work in the world, which so many nurses are. And, yes. and it will, it will, the opportunities, because once you decide, people get stuck when they're waffling between, do I do this or do I this when there's, there's lack of clarity. Mm -hmm. And in the moment that we decide on exactly what it is that we want, the universe is going to send you yeah. all the things because the universe has way more resources than you do as, a, as one individual. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is how I live my life now. It's not always like easy to just relax into that, but more often than not, I trust the universe and myself. That is awesome. So 
any final comments or parting wisdom that you want to share with our listeners today, Beth, before we sign off? Well, I, I want to thank you and everybody listening. And, you know, I would also like to just sort of add to what you were just saying, Lizbeth. It's like we in healthcare, well, like nurses, we're the, we know this, we're the biggest workforce by far in healthcare. So there's that. There's also the fact that we interface with almost any kind of diversity, any ethnicity, any culture, um, any gender, any age, we, we are interfacing with almost everybody. So if we can be modeling effective communication and sharing power, I, I, <laughs> I believe that we really can change the world for the better. Amen, sister. And the <laughs> hallelujah choir says, amen. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So rock on, Lizbeth. Um, I look forward to getting your address and sending you a book and giving you my address for that deck, the Oracle deck. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, um, be the change, right? We're going to be the change. So yep. hopefully this conversation has tweaked some some ideas, some things to start to move forward with. And so, of course, I want to thank you, Beth, for your, your light in the world, the work that you're doing that's totally outside the box and so freaking powerful. <laughs> <laughs> and I also, of course, want to thank my listeners. I really, I really want to leave people with something that they can take immediate action on because the time is now. There's never been a better time. So thank you, thank you, thank you to the listeners. Again, mm -hmm. if you if you feel stuck, I see you. I witness you. If you want things to be different, all you have to do is decide, and then the things will come to you that you need. I promise. If you want to check out that Oracle deck, check out my, my website, lizwithoverton.com. I am right now in the process of creating a phenomenal free training called reclaiming your um your nurse hero and it's gonna be all about this stuff energy communication boundaries 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 and so i will definitely share and of course it's 555 i'm a total numerology nerd so that means angel winks from above so until next time keep taking great care of yourselves and we'll see you soon Bye bye <laughs>